Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. The Music Scene was a VPM original series broadcast around the country featuring local groups and more. It ran from 2001 to 2009, and VPM has launched Throwback Thursdays, where they'll post two episodes on YouTube every Thursday at 1 p.m. and 8 p.m. starting last week. If you are an individual or in a band and would rather not have your episodes released, I'll include an email link to the producer on the webpage for this show at TV Jerry. Him being in it definitely piqued my interest. Now on stage, and particularly in movies, he's got a bit of a potty mouth. And so we've got an R rating on the Guild Room, largely thanks to Mr. Jackson. That was B.K. Fulton talking about Samuel L. Jackson being in the new film, The Kill Room, which opens nationwide September 28th. B.K. is one of the investors, and he's also founding chairman and CEO of Solidify Productions right here in Richmond. The company specializes in uplifting stories for film, stage, books, and a magazine. He'll also talk about the upcoming tour of The Wiz, which is slated to end up on Broadway next year, as well as other movies and projects from his past and the future. Sifter Review of the Week You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah on Netflix. The title alone frames it in the teen world, and the plot follows many similar teen flicks. Two high school besties dream of their fabulous bat mitzvah parties, but conflict over a boyfriend adds teen angst. As the father, Adam Sandler, offers his typical offhand comments while working his sloppy baggy look. The gimmick is that three women in his real family also have roles. Sadie and Sonny play his daughters, and his wife Jackie is the mother of the best friend. Seeing these two daughters cringing and yelling at their father provides the best humor and probably hit close to home. There aren't a lot of outright laughs. Some of the gags don't land and a few cameos try too hard, but the energy never lags and the fun performances keep it effervescently entertaining. I gave it three out of five stars. BK Fulton, welcome to Sifter for the Year. And first I want to ask you, what does the BK stand for? BK stands for Brian Keith. Footnote. Brian Keith acted in numerous movies and TV shows from the 40s through the 90s. A lot of younger folk don't know who the hell that is. But uh, anyway, I only heard Brian or Brian Keith Fulton when I was in trouble. So so, uh, when I was in corporate, one guy said, do be Keith. And I tried that for a while. And when I got to Verizon, I would start signing things. BK is just shorter and it stuck. So people started calling me that. So I went with it. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So you mentioned Verizon. Of course, you were several high-level jobs at Verizon, and then suddenly you left it all to start Solidify Productions. What inspired that name? Wow. We wanted to do something special. And so everybody has a soul. And so that was important. It's a play on the word Solidify, where us coming together. Sure. And it's fly because it's cool. And and then the butterfly, the colors are are deliberate as well. Uh, They represent all the uh, ethnicities in the world. And then the things that we all have to share, the land, the the sky, the water, the sun, and the things that makes us all one, the blood. The, The Y in Solidify in our logo is made up with the butterfly because it represents the metamorphosis from being a caterpillar and getting into a chrysalis or an environment where you work on yourself and you emerge in flight and we're all capable of it. And so we wanted to have that kind of symbolism in a company that was designed to uplift human beings. 
when did you start the company and how has it grown and changed since you started? Yeah, we started in 2017. When we started, we thought we might do a few projects here and there, maybe a few movies, maybe a few books. Uh, we've evolved to having a cable station, a magazine, several books now, almost 20 with uh, 16 published and four on deck. Uh, almost 20 movies all released in theaters, feature films. And it's kind of funny when people hear that I've left the phone company and now making movies, they assume that, okay, BK's making movies on a home video camera, on a, <laughs> a, 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 an iPhone or some crazy stuff like that. And then they find out, you know, I've got feature movies. I had my first movie was with John Cusack, Tay Diggs, George Lopez, and Luke Hemsworth. Footnote, that movie was titled River Runs Red. And people are like, PK, I, I saw your movie on the movie screen. It had real <laughs> actors in it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what happens when you make real movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, so they underestimate what we're doing. And then that we're here in Richmond and not in Hollywood or New York, it adds to the mystique. But uh, what they might miss is that the modern film industry is not space dependent. It's really where do you get the best deal to, to, to shoot and do the work, the best tax credits, things like that. And then you, um, you know, post-production happens online and in the cloud and people all over the world. Right. For one film we're releasing in a few weeks, the, the orchestra is out of Bulgaria and people won't know that until they see the credits. But the point is you don't have to be in Hollywood to make real Hollywood cinema. Did you have a background in production before you started this or did you say, let's go? Um, more the latter, but I did have some career spurs prior to creating Solidify that contributed to my confidence and my business acumen in the entertainment world. I worked at America Online and then we did a transaction with Time Warner. And of course, Time Warner owned uh, Marvel and HBO and Time Magazine and Warner Brothers. So that was basically King Solomon's minds of content. Right. And I was one of the senior leaders involved across the board. And then I actually started my professional career after graduate school and while I was going to law school at night at the National Urban League. And a little known uh, history fact, the National Urban League was the first nonprofit of any kind in the world to broadcast a conference on the internet. Oh, wow. Footnote. The National Urban League is the oldest and largest community-based civil rights organization in the country. Now what you see is the product of that experience and that training all coming forward into many of the award-winning films and productions that we do, including Broadway. Surprise guest drop-in. Speaking of Richmond production, somebody from Richmond has dropped in to say hello to you. Oh, Cahill, what's happening, man? ABK. Footnote. Cahill Dote is a Richmond-based producer and director with experience in contacts in L.A. and beyond. How do you guys know each other? That's always a hard thing. It's it's sort of like, how do I know you, Jerry? Because, you know, like, it's over the years, you just have, like, these micro interactions that just build and build. Right, and right. I'm not even sure when the first time I met him, but just over the years, like, through the interactions, I sort of got to know BK and just sort of who he was as a person. And that eventually grew to a project that we worked on together where 
this would be a good project to work with BK on. So I reached out and um, through that, you know, became even closer. Now I consider him a friend. Well, what was the project? Jail room. Yeah, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Cool. Yeah, I don't want to do any spoilers then. You can uh, do that by yourself, <laughs> Jerry. What did y'all do on that? Yeah, we were executive producers. So so yeah, KL didn't twist my arm too much. I mean, when, when you say Uma Thurman and Samuel Jackson in the same sentence, that, that, that'll get your attention. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, how did you hear about it, KL? So I have a investing partner and a producing partner. We've done movies from the writing side, from the producing side. I think for now it's been 15 years, uh, and I trust him. He trusts me. I like to count BK in that type of relationship I'm I'm hoping that goes through the future where you, you want to be in business with people that you can trust. And especially in the in the movie business, you got to watch your back. I've done some LA projects. And in LA, I just cannot believe that people to your face will say one thing and then right. behind your back, you learn something else. So what was your experience like BK working with uh, Cahill on this project? Uh, it, was, it was fun. It, it was easy. Cahill and I, we text each other in the middle of the night sometimes and share our thoughts and musings. I mean, as executive producers, what that often means is you're the folk to bring the resources, bring the capital. Right. And um, and help in other places. But primarily, you know, it's a show me the money industry. And uh, and so we just, you know, checking on our investments. And so I'm happy that the project is finally coming out. Film will release in September 28th, and uh, we're excited about that. And we'll be promoting it. I hope that darn strike is over so that the principal players can um, help to promote the film. Otherwise, you're going to see a lot of me and Cahill out there. (laughs) (laughs) That'll pull them in. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Hey, Jerry, I got something I want to tell your millions of listeners. Uh Uh-oh. Your millions of listeners should know that if you want somebody who not only has the resources, but is an um, unstoppable force of positivity and creativity, then BK is your man. Oh, I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, well that, that's awesome, Cahill. And it takes awesome to know awesome. So right back at you. I appreciate you. it. Great. Thank you, Cahill. Thanks for dropping in this Saturday morning. Absolutely. Y'all have a great rest of your interview. You too, brother. Well, since he brought up Kill Room, let's talk about that first, and then we'll go back and talk about uh, some of the Broadway stuff. So the Kill Room is coming, and you've got, uh, obviously, as you said, Samuel L. Jackson and Uma Thurman in the leads. Did you get to go on set at all or hang out at all, or did you just uh, help them EP it? There was an opportunity to go on set, but I've done enough of these where I I, I don't get starstruck anymore. And the opportunity in New Jersey, we filmed in, what, New Jersey, New York, Miami. Uh, The opportunity in New Jersey, I was not available. We were actually releasing four films this year, and so I've spread kind of thin. And um, as I've gotten older, Jerry, I <laughs> like to sleep sometimes. <laughs> I know the feeling. Absolutely. Well, now, you know, you mentioned Samuel L. Jackson, of course, was in that. And you mentioned earlier that he was in the piano lesson, which was the revival that you did. Footnote. The piano lesson was the fourth play in Wilson's The Pittsburgh Cycle. And the revival was in 2022, which was Tony nominated for Best Revival of a Play. <laughs> Was that the connection that kind of helped, or was that just a coincidence? It was a, a coincidence, but him being in it definitely piqued my interest. Now, on stage, and particularly in movies, he's got a bit of a potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got an R rating on the Guild Room, largely thanks to Mr. Jackson. 
There you go. You mentioned right before we got Cahill on about the piano lesson. Tell us a little bit about uh, your involvement in that. That Not only Samuel L. Jackson, but John David Washington and lovely and Danielle it, Brooks, who's so wonderful. Absolutely, yes. The piano lesson went on to become the highest grossing August Wilson play and the highest grossing revival of all time on Broadway. Uh, August Wilson's The Piano Lesson won a Pulitzer Prize, of course, and hadn't been on Broadway in about 30 years. And actually, Samuel played in, in one of the early productions and to rave reviews. We were very pleased with that and so happy with it that we're actually getting ready to do another show that'll start, I think, in the 23rd of September called The Wiz. Um, and that will have a 20-week national run in 13 cities starting in Baltimore and working our way across the country to uh, the West Coast. And then we'll come back for another 20 weeks on Broadway. Right. I know you got Wayne Brady committed and a young new actor, Deborah Cox. What about the rumor that there might be a special star scarecrow in that? Is that? I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I mean, I've been putting out the name Bruno Mars and a few others for the Tin Man. And we've got some talent that'll be in, I think, from Richmond, young lady. Footnote. That young lady is Nichelle Lewis, and I'll include a link to the article on the webpage for this show at TV Jerry. Speaking of August Wilson, you also seem to have a love affair with him because you actually co-wrote a musical called From August with Love. What's the story behind that? Uh, From August with Love is based on a true story. A friend who's the uh, CEO of one of my businesses is from New Jersey. She's the daughter of a woman who used to care for August Wilson when he was still Frederick Kittle and was becoming August Wilson. He would go into her diner in Pittsburgh and sometimes he couldn't pay. And so she would take care of the bill and he'd write a love note on the back of the receipts. Oh, wow. And then the daughter found out about these love notes uh, as her mom was passing and she came in possession of them. And they're really beautiful and uh, heartfelt. He loved her and they had a relationship at some point. She may even be a child of August Wilson. Uh, she's not done her DNA and doesn't know who her father is. And she looks a lot like August Wilson. So I tell her, I know who your dad is. Wow. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, so we wrote a musical to highlight this beautiful story. And I think it's going to touch people. Uh, we've released one song from the musical called Come With Me. And it's quite beautiful. It takes place in the part of the show where August is asking the mother, her name's Pat, to go with him. She ends up turning him down for her own reasons. Uh-huh. But again, he wasn't August Wilson at that time. He was just becoming August Wilson. Footnote. I'll include a link to the song, Come With Me, on the webpage for this show. When I, it says co-wrote, did you write music too? Are you a, a composer? Uh, wrote music and the, the, the book. The book. Wow. And um, I didn't know I was a composer, but I am I am told by my late uh, music instructor kind of coach, the Honorable Dr. Roland Wiggins, who worked with Quincy Jones to get his Ph.D., Roberta Flack, a few others. And he said I was a natural syncophant. So I was like, well, I don't know if I should hug you or hit you. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> he said, he said, it means you're one of those people that can hear notes in music and put lyrics to it, and wow. you do it naturally. Usually my first take or my first out is pretty good, and I've written quite a few songs. And so, you know, the crazy thing is whatever it is, classical, country, rock, hip-hop, R&B, I hear the melody, and I can pull the words that match. And that, that's probably why uh, some of my speeches and talks go so well, 
is because there is a syncopation that comes out of me, a cadence that relates to people and it, and it touches them in the heart and in the head. And that's what I want to do. I am, I'm the person who wants to bring love. I believe that when you bring your best self and I bring my best self, it resolves in a kind of love that can accelerate the cures we need in the world. So you say you just have a natural ability to write when you hear music. How about a rap? Can you freestyle a rap like that? It's a little harder than a regular song. <laughs> yeah, I probably could. I, I I I throw things off the top of the dome every now and then, like especially if in, in the barbershop and the young guys get to going oh, there and you go. they see all this gray hair, gray beard, and then I'll uh, I'll drop a little something, you know, BK folding on the microphone, my beat so fresh, want to make it stay home. Yeah, so I'll just, just put something <laughs> on, on it. And then again, if, if the music's nice, you know, the words can be fungible. In fact, when you listen to some of the rap, mumble rap and stuff like that, sometimes you listen to, what the hell is that guy talking yeah. about? They talk about anything. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I tend to prefer music that shares an uplifting message and something useful. Right. Any of this stuff on guns or drugs or, or bad-mouthing women or whatever like that, I, I, I think those are uh, kind of adolescent uh, stages. Right. And um, I, I, I love that kind of music and that kind of writing. I mean, Chris Stapleton is one of my favorites, and his, a lot of his music speaks to me. And there's a young fella you know, not too far from here, I think, and he, he had that song that's been popular lately, Rich Man, North the, Yeah, Rich, right, something right. Like Footnote. Rich Men of North Richmond is a song by Oliver Anthony that's blown up in the last few weeks. If I were his, his agent, I would have told him to take that $8 million contract he turned down. Yeah, but yeah. Be that, be that as it may, I think that when the music comes from the heart or the art or the expression, human beings feel it and they connect to it. Got and it. that's what I love because we're all cousins and brothers and sisters trying to find our way home. And so we've got to keep doing things that facilitate that. So what would you say at this point, since you've got so many movies and TV shows out there, what, what has been the most popular or successful one? Well, The Piano Lesson by far, uh, that was really, uh, that was probably the biggest one. One of the most uh, important ones is Freedom's Path, which will drop on September the 8th. And it's an antebellum South story about friendship, faith, and freedom. And then One Angry Black Man, which we won the Oscar Me Show Award for. And that was one of our first four films. And that one was special because we did it on a shoestring budget. We did it, uh, we shot it in a week. And people see it and they think we spent, you know, $10 million on it. We didn't wow. spend a fraction of that. Wow, that's great. What's your involvement with Freedom's Path? I'm the executive producer on Freedom's Path and coach to the director, uh, helped them to solve a few problems related to the story arc and just love the film. It, we let it out early this year um, as part of a Black History Month release uh, where the proceeds went directly to HBCUs and historically Black colleges and universities. And then we um, had it in a few festivals and it won, I think 10 out of 13 festivals, like the number one film. People that saw the advanced screening were like, this is what the Oscars are made for. We just showed it recently at Martha's Vineyard. This one lady who was like the top executive at Boeing and in South Carolina, she said, oh my God, that changed my life. I have not been that moved in a movie in 20 years. Wow. 
I had a doctor from Richmond to say, this is what the Oscars are made for. I will pay for anybody to go see this movie. So I'm letting him know, get his wallet ready because it's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I know one of the things you do in addition to producing movies and TV shows and writing books and music now we know, you do uh, some inspirational talks. What's that about? Do you actually go around to specific groups or how do you do those? I think when you've got something to say, you should say it. And I just published my 16th book, The Blueprint. And so lately I've been doing book tours and I will combine them, the book signings with uh, a little Q&A, some speaking. And uh, I tell people, telling the truth is one of the best things to do because then you don't have to remember it. It's always going to be the truth. You know, it's funny you mentioned that about life, uh, because a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Daphne Reed, and I asked her about improving, how she, because she was on the Black Lady Sketch Show, and she had to improv, and she said, I'm fine with improving. That's called life. Uh, well, that was an interesting approach to it. You know, we do. We improv every day, all day long. Yeah. Well, look, Daphne and Tim are dear friends and mentors in the business. Footnote. If you haven't heard my recent podcasts or are new to Richmond, Daphne Maxwell-Reed and Tim Reed are longtime local residents with extensive careers in TV and movies. People like Tim and Daphne really lent their ear, lent their coaching. Tim was the one that told me, decide who you want to be and then work with professionals. The amateurs will wear you out. And so I took that to heart. And Daphne actually is the reader for my children's books on Audible. Oh, cool. Uh, she, she read uh, all the uh, the adventures of uh, Little BK, uh, Mr. Business on Audible. You haven't had a chance to put either of them in your movies, have you? Uh, not yet. Uh, I've got something I'm thinking about for Daphne and Tim and I are, are talking about some collaborations. I'm currently working on a cartoon for Mr. Business, The Adventures of Little BK. So we'll be putting that out hopefully next year. But uh, I hope to have Daphne involved with that. Obviously, you're busy writing, producing, doing all this stuff. When you're not working on your own stuff, what do you like to sit at home and watch? I watch a little bit of everything. Uh, before this call, I was checking out a film that I'm considering about helping with distribution on called Finding Tony. It's a basketball film. Uh, my magnum opus is called Final Four, The Miracle Season. It's about Coach Jim Valvano and the 1983 NC State Wolfpack team. I hope to get a green light to make that film uh, next year. And so for me, taking in other people's art gives me ideas. Um, but what I really like to do when I'm at home and I'm not working is absolutely nothing. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Feed up. Uh, a nice glass of uh, vitamin water or orange juice or something. And my wife has concocted uh, occasionally an adult beverage. I, I I do like to sip a little bit, but not too much. Nothing in, in you know, nothing in excess. Right. And um and just really enjoy Richmond. Enjoy good food. I've been cooking lately, so I, my, uh -huh. my best dish is a basil pesto infused Chilean sea bass that'll make you want to slap somebody. Wow. Wow. That sounds great. You know, my husband uh, makes a great basil pesto, actually, too. He doesn't put oh, it on. We, we're vegetarian, so we don't put it on fish, but he makes a okay. great one, too. Usually I, mean, I might have to get some of it. There you go. It's good. Speaking of your lovely wife, of course, I've known Jackie forever, so you have to be sure to tell her I said hello. I will do that. BK, thank you so much for this. It's been great to get a chance to catch up with you, and I will look forward to seeing all these projects coming up just this month. All right, Jerry. Look, I appreciate it, brother. 
That was B.K. Fulton, founding chairman and CEO of Solidify Productions right here in Richmond. They specialize in uplifting stories for film, stage, books, and a magazine. And there are links to the shows we discussed as well as the new song you mentioned on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. The Equalizer 3. Denzel Washington reprises his role in Italy as he takes on the Mafia. Bottoms. Two teen girls start a fight club to attract their crushes in this reportedly raunchy comedy, featuring Ayo Edaberry, best known as the second chef on The Bear. Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. That chatty creature is the subject of this mystery, starring Simon Pegg, Minnie Driver, and Christopher Lloyd. Never Give Up. Yet another inspiring true sports story. This one is about 20-year-old Brad Menz, who competed in the men's singles tennis finals in the 1985 Deaf World Games. Between Two Worlds, Juliette Binoche plays an author who becomes the member of a cleaning crew in this French import. The Good Mother, Hilary Swank and Olivia Cook join to uncover the murder of one of their sons. TV and streaming. A Murder at the End of the World on Hulu. Emma Corrin and eight other guests are invited to the retreat of a billionaire Gen Z hacker when a murder happens. One Piece on Netflix. A young man sets off to become King of the Pirates based on the best-selling manga series, but this is live action. The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon. The popular star from the original series gets his own show on AMC. Transfusion on Hulu. Sam Worthington stars as yet another Special Forces agent who must take on the underworld to save his son. Disenchanted on Netflix, the fifth and final season of Matt Groening's other animated comedy. And the second season of The Wheel of Time on Amazon. You know you can subscribe to this podcast on all the usual platforms, or you can visit TV Jerry, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. Next week is another double feature, showcasing two films coming to this year's Richmond International Film Festival, including one written and directed by Richmonder Justin Geltzhaler. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. See you next week. For more sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.